chapter 5, verse 13 to verse 18. When you got it, say so. All right, only one person has it, so I will wait for the rest of us to get it. The book of James, chapter 5, verse 13 to verse 18. When you got it, say so. And it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Lord, thank you so much for your word that is true. Thank you so much for the privilege to be together with my brothers and sisters this morning to worship and lift up your glorious and wonderful name. And thank you, God, for the truth that is in your word that sets us free. Thank you for the command, but not just the command, but the invitation that you give us to pray unto you and to seek you. And so, Lord, in these next few moments, I pray that you would open our ears you would soften our hearts and that you would prepare us to receive your word and not just hear it, but live it, Lord God. May you be glorified in it. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, you can raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you one. As always, I want to be sure that you are able to follow along in the introduction and that you are able to take notes. Um, that's really important for me as well, that you can write down some stuff and then not just that, but that you're also able to answer the introspective questions. Um, what do you feel the Lord is speaking to you? Not just that, but how are you going to live it? What are you going to do about it? Um, and as, as always, a reminder, we are disciples of Jesus, and as disciples of Jesus, we are called to make disciples, and so my hope is that you will utilize this tool as well to be reminded not only of what you've learned, but to also share it with someone else, right? And only one of the, one of the great ways for us to grow in our faith is to share our faith with others, and so I encourage you to utilize it for those reasons as well. And so we are in our series. It's the second week that we are dealing with the topic of praying, and as you heard me reading, I specifically emphasize the word pray every time that it's written there, prayer in some fashion in this text, because I want you to see that James, the apostle, is encouraging us to pray and to be a prayerful people. And this morning, I want to talk about praying in power, praying in power. If you look at your outline there, it says this, it says, there is no question that our culture needs to be impacted by the power of God. Would you say amen to that? I mean, no matter what, no matter what you are, no matter what you believe, right, whether you're a believer or not, the fact of the matter is our culture is shattered, right? They are, it is broken right now. We need some help. We need something to happen, right? We need some type of change to occur within our culture. And the only way that that is going to happen for those of us in the room that are believers is through the power of God, right? There's not going to be um, some politician that's going to rise up or some political movement that 
that's going to happen. You know, we think we have these functional saviors in, uh, you know, the Republican Party or the Democrat Party or the Independent Party or the Ice Tea Party or whatever party it is, right? Like, we think some Savior is going to rise up and deliver us. And I want you to know that Savior already rose up. That Savior already brought deliverance to us. His name is Jesus, and he's going to return. And the fact is what this world needs to know is that there is salvation in and only in Jesus Christ. And that's the bottom line. And so our world needs to be impacted by the power of God. This is most clearly seen by the divisions within the culture over policies, over programs, and over politics. And can I tell you something? The reality is this. If it starts with a P, the church is probably divided over it in some way. Um, we're divided over people, right? I mean, you think about it. We're divided. Those are my people. Those are your people. Those are their people. Listen, there's a bunch of lost people out there. Why don't we go get those people and stop fighting over the people that call themselves Christian. That's a good idea. But nonetheless, we're divided over people, right? We're divided over programs. Like, what programs should we have in the church? We're divided over preachers. Like, which preacher is right? Which preacher is wrong? We're divided over practices, over principles that we have. We're divided over prophecy, right? Is prophecy for today? Does God still speak today? Or did God stop speaking some years ago? Listen, I think that it's, it, it, is, it is unwise to think that somehow God stopped speaking at some point point. If he is a relational God, he has to still be speaking. But I'm just saying, we're divided over that. And we're divided over prophecies. Like, what do those prophecies mean? And so there are these divisions. And all the while, lost people, right? The saddest of all, should I say, is that we're divided over, the, over the, uh, what constitutes the power of God. We're divided over that in the church. What is the power of God? Is it speaking in tongues? Is that the power of God? Is it, is it something else? Is it a powerful exhortation of God's word? What is the power of God? And can I tell you something that, and the reason why that's sad is because all the while, lost people are dying. While we're dividing over all of these things, lost people are dying. Right? I don't know the statistic, but if you go to um, Living Waters Ministries, I think they have a time clock or something there, and it shows you how many people die every second. Right? How many people are dying in our world? And those people, you don't know which ones of them know God. We, don't, we are not universalists, so we don't believe that everyone who dies is going to heaven. And so that means that there are people who are dying right now. And in, in the few moments, in the, in the five minutes or whatever that I've just spoken, people have died and gone to hell. That's just a sad, sad reality while we're arguing about politics and policies and building walls and all of this other kind of crazy stuff. And, you know, what... While we're doing all of that, people are dying. People are dying. That's the, that's the reality. And we as the church are called to do something about that, right? We have, a, we have a reality that the culture is being overrun by demonic schemes. You understand that the Bible tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities and rulers and wicked. You, you understand that, right? And so what we see in our culture, you know, today, this weekend is, is a special um, weekend for a couple of reasons. Tomorrow, I'll be walking in Oviedo, and there's a Martin Luther King parade that they do in Oviedo every year. And, and, and there's a reason why they celebrate um, Dr. Martin Luther King's life. And there's Christians. I mean, by the way, they're divided on this too. 
if we should celebrate him because since he wasn't orthodox, should we celebrate him? I think we should celebrate him, not because of his Christianity, but because of his desire to bring about exposure and bring about racial equality. I think that's something that we celebrate. But can I tell you something else that we celebrate? A lot of churches around the world, they're doing something called Sanctity of Life Sunday today. You want to know why? Because this weekend around this time, it also marks the, the, the um, what we'll call the inauguration or the decision that was made in the case of Roe v. Wade when they made abortion legal in our nation and the murder of the unborn became something that's normative. We're divided over stuff like that too in the church. We sit around and we talk to people in the church. We find that we are sincerely divided. I want you to understand racism, right? Racism, you know, divisions, all of those types of things. That is demonic schemes along with, right, the, the, the allowance of murdering children. Those are demonic schemes. We have to grasp that. This is a reality. We as the church have the power of God within us. We have the power of God that is accessible to us and can do something about what's going on in our culture. The church is on the defensive rather than on the offensive. You understand that? We're steady defending decisions we made instead of defending the faith that is about Jesus Christ. We are called to be on the offensive. We're called to be communicating the gospel, bringing deliverance to lives. And so that is why we need to pray in power. I want you to think about this. Praying in power is only possible when prayer is a priority in our lives. I'll say that again. Praying in power is only possible when prayer is a priority in our lives. Praying in power which is what we need to be doing, is only po- the only possibility of this is when prayer is a priority in our lives. And so I want you to pause for a moment as you think about that and tell me how important is prayer to you. And you know how you can answer that question? What does your personal prayer life look like? See, because we can say that we understand how important prayer is. However, if we're not praying, it's really not important. It's really not a priority. It's really not something that matters to you or matters to me. And so if we want to be a people who are praying in power, then we have to be a people who are doing what? Who are making prayer a priority in our lives. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, praying in power requires a culture of prayer. Praying in power requires a culture of prayer. I want you to notice something from verse 13 to verse 16. And I'm not going to read the verse because we already read the verse again. We already read the verse together. But the church should be marked by its communication with God, i.e. prayer. Right? When, when, when we talk about communication with God, we're talking about prayer. I want you to understand something. When it comes to prayer, you can pray when you're in the shower. You can pray when you're driving your vehicle. You can pray while you're, while you're on your knees. You can pray laying down. I don't advise that. Hello? Right? Laying down is, is, is a posture that we are usually in when we're ready to go to sleep. And so it's hard. I can just tell you from experience, when I try to pray laying down, it doesn't go very well or very long. I'm just being honest, right? Because I'm, in a, in, in, I'm laying down. And so you can, but you can pray laying down, right? I mean, you can pray wherever. Prayer is just about talking to God. The fact is we have to commune with God. And so when James is speaking to the church, and remember, he's speaking to the church that has been dispersed about the Jewish believers. And as he's wrapping up his exhortation in this book, he comes to this point and he tells them a few things. And he says, if you're suffering, pray. 
If you're cheerful, sing songs. What is, what is singing songs? It is singing prayers. That's what it's doing, right? He says if you're sick, do what? Especially if you're sick because of your sin, call upon the elders so they can counsel you. Is that what it says? No. So they can anoint you with oil and they can pray for you. If you are in sin, it says to confess your sin. What is, what is confessing sin? That is a repentant prayer. And so we are talking about repenting, confessing our sins, and then what do we do and then we pray for the ones that are in sin to be restored and so do you notice the concept here that is throughout the book of James here in this portion he is saying prayer should be a mark of the life of the church we should be marked by our prayer lives. We should be marked by the communion that we have in prayer. And so the reality is this, creating a culture of prayer requires cultivation of our personal and our corporate prayer lives. I want to say that again. For us, to, uh, creating a culture of prayer requires cultivation of our personal and our corporate prayer lives. Cultivation, it requires work. And I think about when I, when, I, when I first became a Christian and I first started praying. First of all, listen, I didn't go and read a prayer manual somewhere. There is a prayer manual. It's called the Bible, right? It's there. It's there for us, right? There are prayers that are prayed throughout the scriptures where people got on their knees. They got on their face before God, where people cried out to God and they began to lift up the Lord. And so if you want to learn how to pray, can I tell you the best way to do that? Read your Bible. Read the scriptures, see what the scriptures say about prayer, and begin to practice what you are reading. That's how you learn to pray. And I remember as a, as a young believer, and, I, and I, I, I can tell you this right now, I'm not even a guy that likes to journal. I do not journal. Like now, I'm not a journaling guy. There's some of you, you like journaling. Some of you are writers like that, and you like to write out your prayers, and you like to write out thoughts, amen for you. Keep doing that. That's important. Some of you, you need to start doing that because that's going to help you grow in your prayer life. Me personally, as a as, as as an early believer, I don't think I was journaling so much, but what I was doing was I was writing stuff out on a pad and saying, man, I need to pray this. Like, I need to put on the armor of God. I need to do certain things on a daily when I pray. There's certain things that I need to pray. And I started growing in prayer in that way. I started growing in prayer by being in God's word. I started growing in prayer by being around other believers when they are praying. Come on, somebody. By being around other believers when they pray, that is so important that you learn to pray around other believers, that you hear how they, how they come before God, that you hear them as they come to the throne with boldness, as you, that you hear them as they come to the throne with a clarity of mind and a clarity of heart, and that you don't get intimidated by that, but that you're encouraged by that, that you learn how to do it because what? You have been looking in God's word. You have been seeing what God God is saying about prayer, and then you've been around others who are praying. But listen to me. If you never show up to a time when we pray, you're not going to hear anyone praying. Are you here? The only time you're going to hear someone pray is when I pray, before I read scripture, maybe when one of the ministers up here prays, whenever they're doing communion or something like that, or when somebody is leading in worship and there may be a prayer that's prayed, or when Pastor Aldo prays at the end of the service, or when Pastor Chad prays during the time of offering, like you may hear prayers there, but you're not going to hear prayers that are outside of that if you're not coming together to pray. So when do we pray? Well, let me just talk about that really quickly, because the first Friday of every month, we have a time, it's called our core prayer night, right? We get together. The reason why I emphasize the first Friday is because that's a Friday that I've asked all the leaders to be here to pray. I've asked them all to be here to come to pray, to seek God's face so we can have a time to get together. So I highly encourage you to put that on your calendar so you can be around us and you can come and pray.
And if you have petitions you want to pray about, you can pray about those things. There's opportunity for you to pray as the Holy Spirit leads and as you spend time with God in that prayer time. But every other Friday of the month, there is still prayer time. Brother Tracy, a year ago or some change, he felt from the Lord to open up Fridays for prayer. And he comes, he prays him by himself and his family. Often he's there. And so what I'm saying is you can come and pray at that time. We also have prayer every Sunday morning. We have prayer at 845 before the 9 o'clock service and at 1045 before the 11 o'clock service. So those are opportunities that you have to come together and cultivate your prayer time with the body of Christ. And so we're a church that does pray. We believe in the power of prayer and the need for prayer. But you got to be present to do it. Amen. I'm just saying, that's a reality there. In fact, here's the thing. If you and I do not develop ourselves in personal prayer, we will never devote ourselves to prayer corporately. Are you here? If you don't develop yourself in personal prayer, you will never commit yourself to public prayer. If you're not, you know why? Because you will never understand the need to be praying. You will never grasp, why do I need to go to this prayer time? Why do I need to be in this prayer meeting? If you are not broken before God on your own, and listen, I'm not even saying that's going to guarantee you, but what I know this is that if you're not praying by yourself, you're not going to come pray with us. And so we have to cultivate, we have to cultivate this culture of prayer, do we not? That's what we have to do. We have to cultivate a culture of prayer. Scripture and history, why is this so important as well? Because Scripture and history, you look at both. You look in, you look in your Bible. You look especially in the book of Acts, my favorite book in the Bible. You look in the book of Acts, and what do you see? You see what happens when God's people are praying. But if you also look at history after the book of Acts, any movement of God, <clears throat> anything that you see throughout history where God moved, it was because of a people who were together praying. And so what do we understand? Scripture and history show us that God's power is most often manifested as a result of a unified people praying in faith together for the purpose of thy kingdom come and thy will be done. The reason why we pray pray together is to get God's will done, not ours. The reason we pray is not to manipulate God or twist God's arm so he does for us what we want. We get together with God in prayer so we do for him what he wants. So that way our hearts are changed as we come before him and we pray, God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. It is not that we repeat that over and over again in the sense of a repetition, but is that that is what our heart is when we get together and pray. That, God, we look at our earth and you know what we see in our world? We see a world that does not reflect the power of your kingdom. We see a world that does not reflect the liberation that you came, the liberation that Brother Sean was talking about, the freedom that there is in Christ. Our world doesn't look like that. And so why do we pray? We pray for God's kingdom to come. If you and I want to see our culture impacted by God's power, we must maintain a culture of prayer. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, praying in power, praying power. is marked by our understanding our common frailty. Praying in power is marked by, our, by understanding our common frailty. Verses 17 through 18, look what it says. It says, I, I, I want to read this because I want you to see this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I love that. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. 
And so I want you to think about who he's, who he's referencing. Remember, he's, he doesn't have to do what I'm going to do right now because he was writing to Jewish people who were well-versed in the Old Testament. That was the only scriptures that they knew. And so the mention of the name Elijah was very familiar to them. They understood that he was one of the great prophets of Israel. He was one of the prophets that was around the time of Ahab and Jezebel. He was, one of the, he, he was this great, great, great prophet of God. And he goes on and he says, and he and continues on in this story here, and he says when he gives this little, this little piece of information, he tells them about this Elijah who prayed earnestly. And he prayed earnestly. In other words, he prayed in faith. And when he prayed in faith, what happened was the earth stopped giving rain. Why? Why did this happen? Because Ahab, who was a king in Israel at that time, and Jezebel, they were idolaters on another level. And God promised judgment because of their idolatry. And one of the judgments that came as a result of their leadership was a famine that came as a result of Elijah praying. And so Elijah prays, and for three and a half years, that's a long time, there was no rain in the land. When you go back to 1 Kings, and you actually read the story, and we're going to go back there in a moment. But when you go back to 1 Kings and you read the story, I mean, you see that this happens. And then at the end of the three and a half years, Elijah, the Lord, speaks to Elijah. And that's important, so mark that in your mind. He speaks to Elijah and tells him, go present yourself to Ahab. And he said, and I will bring rain. And so Elijah goes on ahead. He goes to present himself to Ahab. Before he does that, he comes before the prophets of Baal. And he says, look, we're going to have a little challenge here. He challenges them to this thing. He says, you go ahead and you get a, get a sacrifice. I'll get a sacrifice. And we'll see which God is the God of heaven. And you make a choice today. And when he goes up there on the top of Mount Carmel, he makes this challenge, and he boldness and courage, and he gets up there, he makes this challenge, and when he makes this challenge, what does he do? He says, go on ahead, call on your gods. And so these fools are over there because they're fools, they're, they're worshiping idols, and they're fools, and they're over there crying out to their God, God, bring fire, bring fire, bring fire. And Elijah goes, I mean, he, look, Elijah was crazy. He was like, I'm going to take this to another level. I'm dumping water in all areas. I'm making sure that this thing is so soaked that you can't can't say because the famine is around because things are so dry that a spark happened and it wasn't God. I want you to know that this was the God of heaven that does this. And the Bible says these, these fools are over there cutting themselves, crying out to their God. And Elijah mocks him. He's like, well, maybe your God's asleep. I don't know. Maybe your God is not awake. Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's on vacation. I'm elaborating. But nonetheless, Right? He tells him that, and he calls on the God of heaven. And the Bible says fire comes down from heaven, consumes up the water, consumes up the sacrifice. They kill these prophets, and then the mighty man of God does what? He runs. He runs from that victory into a cave somewhere because he's afraid of this woman Jezebel. Why do I share this part of the story with you? It is because I want you to realize that Elijah was a man of a nature just like us. And James wants us to know that Elijah was not a perfect man. He was a righteous man, not a perfect man. He was a man who was seeking God. He wasn't a man that was fearless, but he, and, he, and he wasn't a man that had faith all the time. But can I tell you something? He was a man that had faith at the right time. He was a man that had faith at the right time. He didn't have it all the time, but he had faith at the right time, at the right moments, and God used him to do great, great things. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn back really quickly because I want you to look with me because I want you to see what happens. Go to 1 Kings, if you would, chapter 18. 
Important. I want you to I want you to look at these scriptures because when we're talking about praying in power, there has to be something that we're doing. There has to be a persistence in our prayers as we go and as we are seeking the Lord. And so, First Kings chapter eighteen. I'm going to go ahead and read, and I want you to, I want you to notice this. Look at verse forty one when you get there. But it says this. It says, "Then Elijah said to Ahab, he says after he's already killed the prophets of Baal." This is after all that happens. He says, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. I want you to hear what this man says. There, there. He says there's a sound of abundance of rain. And it says, verse 42, it says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, of Carmel. Then he bowed on the ground and put his face between his knees. And so I won't do it here, but I mean, just you can picture this, right? He, he gets down on his face before God. He puts his face to the ground, and he begins to cry out to God. He begins to pray unto the Lord. And the Bible says, and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, now listen to me, there is nothing. Did you hear that? He said there's a sound of rain. He bows down before God Almighty, the creator. And, and, and when you look at the, the scripture, it says that he prayed earnestly. It literally means this. He prayed in prayer. He was in deep prayer before God. He wasn't just in a prayer posture, but he was praying in faith. And the first time he gets down and pray, you know what the answer was? Nothing. Are you here? The answer was nothing. The scripture shows us that his servant gets up, his servant is excited, and he's like, okay. And so Elijah's like, go, go see. Go tell me what's going on. And he gets up, he goes out there, he sees nothing. And what does Elijah do? He says, and seven times he said, go again. Now listen, I need you to get this. When we look at numbers in the Bible, numbers have significance. Right? You look at certain numbers, right? And like you look at the number three, that's like a number that symbolizes perfection. It's a number that deals with the Trinity, right? So you look at that. You look at number seven, and what does the number seven symbolize in the Bible? It symbolizes completion. Why? Because God did what? He created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, He rested because creation was complete, right? Completion. A number of completion. Here's what I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think, I got to pray seven times, and after seven times, this is going to happen. I don't want you to think that, because your seven times may be 100 times. Are you here? Your seven times may be 15 years. I hate to tell you that. Your seven times may be a month. It may be a week. It may be like this. It seemed to be here in the text that it was seven times. It was seven times that he prayed, and it seemed like it was pretty close in time and proximity of when he was praying. It wasn't a long time, but the point is he prayed until the answer came. Are you here? He prayed until the answer came. And so what I am trying to say is praying in power is marked by understanding our common frailty. We know that, that, that Elijah wasn't a perfect man. But like Elijah, our dependence upon God in prayer must become more evident. Listen, we have to know this, that without God, we can do nothing. Are you here? Without God, we have to know this. Without God, we are nothing. Elijah understood that. That's the reason why he's running from Jezebel. He's like, okay, God, use me. This happened. This was great. But what about if God is not with me? What about if God abandons me in this moment? I mean, he had moments of doubt. He had moments where he wasn't believing. Obviously, he's running from a woman when he just killed like 500 prophets. Are you here? Right? And listen, ladies, I'm not saying that you can't be scary. I'm just, you know, that's not what I'm trying to say. 
And I don't mean that a negative way either. I'm just saying, like, I, you know, there's some women I might run from. I'm just telling you, right? Like, there's, there's some, right, that I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, I see some people anyway. I was watching an MMA fight or, yeah, um, UFC, U, UFC fight the other day. And as we were looking at the ladies, I was like, man, I don't know if I'd want to fight either one of these women. Like, I, I might turn the other way. <laughs> then my pride kicked in. And I'm like, nah, bro, we're going to throw down. But anyway. <laughs> But this man, he just did something amazing, and he runs in the other direction. He runs away in fear, but he realized what? He realized that God, I mean, he knew at this moment that God was with him. Why? Look at verse, verse 1 in chapter 18. Look what it says there. It says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord, say the word of the Lord. That the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. You want to know why Elijah kept praying? Because he had God's word. He kept praying because he had God's word. Can I tell you something? We have the word of the Lord right here. Are you here? We have God's word here. Now listen. I believe firmly God speaks continually. He will continue to speak. That's what he says. But I want you to know primarily the way God speaks to us is through his written word. And so as we are in the word, the whole reason why I challenge you every year to read through the Bible is because I understand something. God's power is directly connected with God's word. And your faith, my faith is going to be built in what God's word says. And so Elijah prayed because what? He knew God said he was going to send rain. And you and I have to be those people that become so, and I use the word, impregnated with what God's word says. And so for the ladies in the room, you understand this, right? There's a time where you become pregnant. And listen, that thing is there and it starts weighing on you. Hello. You can't, listen, you're, you can't deny it if you wanted to deny it, right? Because if it's not the baby bump that starts coming, it's the cravings for crazy food. Are you here? Right? Like there's something. And then you get to the point that it's no longer a baby bump, but this thing is huge. And you're like, man, I want this thing out of me. Are you here? And what I am saying is for us as people of God, we have got to carry God's word that way. God's word has got to overflow in our souls. It's got to become uncomfortable for us until we see whatever God says come to pass. That it moves us to praying and moves us to seeking God's face because we know what God's will is. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say praying in power, praying power. is spirit energized. Praying in power is spirit energized. And so it says this in verse, in verse 16. You don't have to turn back there. You can if you like. But it says this in verse 16, the second part of the verse. It says that the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And so my third point is praying in power is spirit energized. You and I cannot ignore the fact that availing prayer is tied to two things in this verse. Fervency and righteousness. Fervency and righteousness. And I want to say this because the way that it's written, it would say that, the, that, that righteousness is, is it's the fervency is coming out of the righteous person, if that makes sense to you. It's not just being fervent, right? It's not just being fervent in that I just believe something and I'm going to stand firm on it. Hold on a second. There's another component there. It has to be tied to righteousness. 
the effectual fervent prayer, the energized prayer, right? That prayer of the righteous man availeth much. What does it mean to avail much? It means it accomplishes what God wants. It accomplishes much. It can do much. It is able to do something. That prayer has power. That's what it means to be praying in power. And so the question is this, how does the Lord energize our prayers with fervency? And I'll say this, you can write this down, Jude chapter 20. I mean, Jude verse 20. There's only one chapter in the book of Jude. Jude verse 20. It tells us to do what? It says, building ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Listen, the way that God gives us fervency is through what? It is by us praying in the Holy Spirit. And I want to help you to understand something. Praying in the Holy Spirit does not mean, it cannot mean praying in tongues alone. Are you here? It cannot mean that. Because if it means that, then that would mean that everybody in the body of Christ can speak in tongues. And I can tell you from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that is not true. The rhetorical question that is asked in chapter 12 at the end is, do all speak in tongues? The answer is, no, not all speak in tongues, but all can pray in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we have all been given the Holy Spirit. We have all been given the Holy Spirit, and so we can pray. See, here's the thing you have to understand. There, you know, every, you know, right now in our culture, we have a lot of spiritual people, right? There's people that are spiritual, right? They, 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 they want to pray. They want to they, they pray to a deity, right? And so, again, I don't know everybody's mindset in here, right? And so you may be, you know, in here, and you may not be a believer, but you want to be spiritual. But here's the reality. As a believer, I have something you don't have. It's the Holy Spirit. Because I have been born again. I've been given new life. And the Holy Spirit dwells in me. So I don't pray in my own ability. I don't pray in my own wisdom. I pray under the inspiration, under the power, and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I commune with God. And what does God do? I spend time in his presence. And because I'm a believer who has the Holy Spirit in him, I can pray in the Holy Spirit. I can pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you, and here's the other thing. I don't turn on, and I can tell you right now, I'm a guy, I speak in tongues, I pray in the Spirit. Uh, you know, in that sense. And so here's what I want you to get. I don't turn it on and turn it off when I want. I don't control that. If I control that, it's not his gift. It's mine. Are you here? I'm the author. And I am not the author. Therefore, I don't just say, hey, I'm going to start speaking in tongues now. And hey, I'm going to turn this off. Now, that's not how this works. It can't work like that. If it's biblical, it cannot work that way. And so what we understand here is that we are called to do what? We're called to pray with fervency. And how do we pray with fervency? We pray with fervency as we are in God's word. God deposits his word in our spirit. He gives us a boldness and a courage and an understanding of what his will is. And we begin to pray in a fervent manner because we understand what God said God is going to bring to pass. The same way Elijah got on his face, put his face between his knees seven times until he saw this little cloud. And then he said, all right, let's get up and go because it's about to pour. I didn't finish reading the verse, but if you read the verse, that's what happens. He sees this thing the size of a man's hand that's over the sea, and he says, all right, let's go. And he goes and tells Ahab, Ahab, you better go because you're going to get stopped. The rain's about to come so hard. But Elijah prayed with a fervency, and he also was a man who was righteous. I want you to understand this. When it talks about righteousness here, he is talking clearly about living holy. That's what he means. The prayers, right, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, the one who's living holy. The one who is living a life for the glory of God. Listen, it is not because we earn. That's not it. 
It is not that we earn God to do anything because of our righteousness. It is simply a reality that God is calling us to understand. Righteousness and fervency have to go together if our prayers are going to avail much. We have to understand that there is imparted righteousness and there is imputed righteousness. There is the imputed righteousness that we get. There is something that is given to you and I, what I mean by imputed. There is something that is given to you and I that we don't deserve and we didn't earn. And that is called justification or us being made right before God because of what? Because of the gospel. Because of the fact that Jesus died in our place. Because Jesus gives us a new name. Because Jesus calls us his sons and his daughters. He looks at us. He looks at us not by our own merits, but by the merit of Jesus in that relational sense with him. He's not holding our sins against us of the past. He's not holding the sins that we repented of against us. What he is doing is he is calling us to live righteously in the imparted righteousness. Imparted righteousness is different than imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness is what we get and that we don't deserve and that we haven't earned imparted righteousness we don't earn but we don't get it until we spend time in his presence we don't get it until we spend time in his word and as we spend time in his word you know what he does he renews our minds he renews our hearts he changes the way that we feel he imparts his righteousness to us and then we live righteously before him and the bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much here's the thing as you and I commune with the Lord, the Holy Spirit energizes us to live holy and pray fervently, which results in us living powerfully amidst a culture that needs to encounter the power of God. Let me say that again, because the reason why we pray, the reason why we seek God is not so we can feel better about ourselves. It's not so we can feel holier than thou. It's not for anything like that. But here is the reality. As you and I commune with God, in his word, in prayer, prayerfully reading God's word. That's the reason why I encourage you to be in God's word, to apply that Lectio Divina idea that I've spoken about. And if you want to talk more about it, we can. But to apply the idea of reading the word, of meditating on the word, of praying the word, of seeking to apply the word. Don't just casually read the word. Listen, I'm one of those guys, I like to listen to God's word. I thank God for the technology that we have today. But I want you to know, I don't just listen to the word of God and do other things. I sit down. I turn the word of God on. I listen as I read so that way I'm hearing it and I'm reading it. I want that word to sink deep into my spirit. That way I live God's word, right? Prayerfully reading God's word. And so as you are in that prayerful communion with God, the Holy Spirit does what? He, he energizes us to live holy and to pray fervently. And the result is what? That we live powerfully before a world that needs to encounter the power of God. And so here's my closing question. Is praying and power a priority to you? And do you need to cultivate your prayer life? Is praying and power a priority in your life? And do you need to cultivate your prayer life? Listen, I know I've said a lot of stuff here. But here's the thing that I want to know. Do you need to cultivate that prayer? Maybe you don't have a prayer life. Maybe you need to start today. Maybe you just start now to say, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time in your, I want to spend time in your presence. You know what? God is, is welcoming you and inviting you to spend that time with him. But, but, but maybe that's the thing. And, 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 and are you, see, because when I say, when I ask this question, is praying and power priority in your life? Listen, I don't want to just pray prayers. I want to pray in prayer. 
I, I, I want to be like Elijah. I want to pray with, a, with an assurance that what I'm praying is going to come to pass. That's how I pray. I believe when I'm praying, listen, y'all think I'm loud just because I want to be loud? Y'all think that I pray? No, no, man, it's not. Man, I believe what I'm praying, and I, and I am desperate to see God. And I'm not telling you got to be loud. You don't got to be loud. I, nowhere does the Bible say you got to be loud to pray and be heard. Hello. I'm pretty sure God ain't deaf. I'm just letting you know that right now. But he created me the way that he did. And I'm a passionate guy, and you know what? He created me like that. And so that's the way that I pray. Listen, your prayer may be quiet. It may be tears running down your face because you know that you know that God will do what he said he's going to do. Listen, God wants those prayers to be prayed. He wants us to pray, but he wants us to pray in power. And so what's my challenge? My challenge is that you make personal daily prayer a priority. Listen, I say this until I'm blue in the face. You need to make a time with God. We just went through a series with Forge, with the men's ministry that I'm part of on Tuesdays and Thursdays. There's a plug, 7 to 8 o'clock in the morning. If you're in Oviedo, you can do that with me on Tuesday mornings, on Thursdays um, in Longwood if you're if you're near there. Same time, 7 to, 7 to 8 a.m. It's a great time to get together, but Pastor Pete, he just finished doing a, doing a one-part one series and asked me to preach this last week on, on the dog, the daily appointment with God. Very, very important. We need to have that daily appointment with God, that daily time that we come, we seek the Lord. And so my challenge to you is that you do that. Not just that, but that you make corporate prayer a priority as well. Listen, I gave you the rundown of the days and times we have prayer in our church, of the times when we get together and pray. And, and, I, and I let you know that coming up in the month of February, we want to take it up a notch. I haven't even talked to the leaders about this, but we're going to let you know how we want to take this thing up a notch, taking it to the next level to continue to build a culture of prayer within our church. And I hope that you will be part of that. But make corporate prayer a priority, not just your personal prayer time, but also make corporate prayer time a priority and also make praying in power a real goal in your life listen you may feel like you can't pray in power i hope you'll understand that elijah was no better a man than you or me he had the same nature as us he was the same sinner as you and i are and and in, and in his day he didn't have the ability to depend upon a savior like we do he was trusting in the covenant of god that god had made with israel trusting who god is you and i we have an advocate we have a mediator with the father the one who died for us and you and i can pray i don't listen you no matter who you are no matter how old you are no matter how young you are you can pray in power you can pray in power and so I hope that you'll make that a real goal in your life. And here's why this matters, because if you will, your heart will change, your priorities will change, our church will change, and we will make a more lasting impact upon our culture. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you today with our hearts humbled. Oh, we thank you because you are a great king. We thank you because you are a great God. We thank you because you are the Almighty God, you are the great I am. You are the king supreme. You reign and you rule forever and ever, God. And so, Lord, we come to you today, and I pray that we would be a people who are praying in power, a people who are praying in prayer, who are praying with full assurance of faith that we would not give up on your promises, that we would not give up on your word, but that we would press in We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We give you thanks for answered prayer. 
We give you thanks, God, because we know that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I pray for those in this place that may be struggling with their prayer lives. God, may you help them to overcome the struggle. May you energize them in prayer. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. As you do that, and as Pastor Chad comes forth, I just want to let you know.